here, I want to say thank you to Emily, the worship team. And I picked up a line in that new song. Open our eyes that we might see the unseen. Perfect. Perfect line for our focus this morning. This is great. So we're in a three-week series as Pastor Mark and Danielle wait and wait and wait for Hattie Mae to say hello. So it's a, such a privilege uh, uh, to have Pastor here uh, this morning with us. I fully expected you to be resting in Traverse City. But I know, he says it's hard to stay away. I, I know about that. This, uh, once you become a shepherd to a group of people, your heart is there no matter where you are. So I understand that. And that's good to hear. We appreciate you, Pastor, very much. So we're in a three-week series. You do have a handout. The front part of that handout with the frame is exactly the same as last week. Uh, uh, telling you uh, a three-part series on it's, only a, it's just a matter of perspective. This is a series to encourage and strengthen our faith as we head into this new year because we're hoping for good things. We say Happy New Year to everyone. But the truth is, we don't know what this year will bring, do we? But what we do know as Christians, as believers in Jesus Christ, is that we want to remain steady. We want to remain focused through this year. So uh, I told you that I took the actual titles of these messages from the old Star Trek theme. Last week, we talked about an alien life form and found out that the New Testament writers... The writer of Hebrews spoke about Abraham and commended him as a man of faith simply because he lived on this earth as a stranger and an alien, saying he was looking for a city whose builder and architect was God, implying something permanent. We know that there's nothing permanent in this life, well, someone has said, except death and taxes. But we're just going to... We're just going to scoop that aside. That's pretty trite, isn't it? Well, we don't want to bring the political spectrum into our morning worship anyway, do we? So Abraham was commended as a man of faith because he had a mindset that said, I'm just visiting here, even though God has physically promised this literal land that I'm walking on, I'm looking for something better. And so we looked at that, Hebrews 11, last week. We also looked at Hebrews 11 that said those who lived in faith and died in faith not having received the promise confessed. They said with their mouth, I'm an alien here. And so that was part of our assignment for this week. For us to, in our time with the Lord, make statements that reinforce the fact that this is not permanence here. Permanence is difficult to see with physical eye. Takes a little bit of effort. Takes faith to see permanence. We'll see that in a moment in the passage that we're going to read. And then we went to 1 Peter. And that was also part of your assignment. To, to read portions of chapter 1 of 1 Peter. And repeat them firsthand as though they applied to you. And not just a story that you're reading that applies to a lot of people. Faceless people. In fact, pastor's been good about encouraging us to enter into dialogue with the Lord regarding Scripture. One of the best ways to do that is put it in first person. And then I suggested that you go to 2 Peter also and do the same. For instance, it says you're, you're, you're a chosen uh, people, 
a holy nation. So you could say, I'm a chosen person. I'm a holy person. I belong to God. And that was part of the assignment for last week. To get us thinking correctly that we are really <coughs> aliens here. <coughs> now, the definition of an alien is a foreign-born citizen who's living in another country and has not become a citizen there. So when the blood of Christ washes us from sin, we then are born of a different kingdom. Although we're living here now, it's not our home. We're strangers. We're just here for a short time. That's the principle. It's easy for that to slip my mind at times. So now let's look at our anchor verse, Second uh, Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7. I'm going to read verse 7 and then just make reference to the rest of the verses that precede it. So verse 7 says, we live by faith and not by sight. And last week I expressed to you what that verse is really meaning is it's, it's not that my physical eyesight is of no value in my faith. It's not saying that. It's saying my faith is not based on objects or proof texts that I see here in this life. It's based on something I actually can't see, although when certain things happen in life that we do see, it encourages our faith. Amen. Is that correct? Amen. Okay. But what, what about in between those times when those things don't happen that we can't, that we can't see? See, that's when faith carries us right. through. And making it to the end as a believer is not a matter of doing everything right. It's a matter of saying, I am not going to move my heart from truth. Whether I see it or not, I'm going to live my life based on this. And so for us, for Christians, we hold this up, this book, time-tested, filled with prophecies that are coming to pass and have come to pass with 100% accuracy. There is no other book like this. No other. We base our belief, our faith, our focus on this regardless of what our physical eyes see. Now in the meantime, if we look at the verses above the seventh verse, for instance, specifically verse 2, there are two things that we looked at last week. Groaning and longing, right? Groaning and longing, and we made the distinction last week that groaning doesn't necessarily mean complaining, although sometimes my groaning comes into complaining, it, it makes its way there. Really, the word groaning is linked in the Greek text to the longing that's in my heart, and it's like it means not a complaint, it means a deep sigh. You know, when we long for something, we desire it deeply in our heart, we can... That's a groan. That's, that's a yearning. So it says that while we are strangers and aliens living here and we get glimpses of what's ahead and we read in, in Scripture what's ahead, something stirs. The longer I spend in Scripture, the more it stirs and I long for this. I, I long for to live, well, quite frankly, I long to live without the pull of sin on me. I mean, stop and think about it. What would it be like to live one day? Half a day. One hour. 
without the pull of sin on your heart and soul. See, you were made to live that way. This text, this anchor text, says that. In fact, I'm just going to quickly read through the first six verses. We spent a lot of time on this last week. I just want to refresh us, and then we're going to move into the thoughts for this morning specifically. Now we know, verse 1, 2 Corinthians 5, that if our earthly tent, temporary, is just, that we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not temporary, but eternal, not built with human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling. Verse 4, for while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling. Verse 5, now it's God who made us for the purpose of living in our heavenly dwelling. He made us for that purpose. That's why you long for it. That's why once you've been forgiven of your sins and you're still struggling in this life with the lower self, the, the thing that really brings you back always is this longing, this knowing that you weren't made for the struggle with sin. You were made to soar with God. Now, I don't, I don't think you are any different from me, and I'm any different from you. I really don't. In fact, I know. And I need to be reminded of this so that the longing increases. Isn't that right? Okay, you guys that are hunters and fishermen, you know, you see it in the catalog. Say, oh, you read about it, you Google it. Oh, that'd be a great, that'd be a great thing to have. And the more you read about it, the more you long for it, right, Matt? I mean, you're building a business on that, right? <laughs> so it's it's a truth, isn't it? Yes. In the natural life, it's a truth. But it's a truth in the natural life only because it's a truth in the spiritual life. Yes. So the more you and I think about, read about, talk about, meditate on. The fact that this life is short and because we long and groan, it's not fully satisfying. Something inside us knows that it is. The more we do, the more we long. And the more we long, the more we sigh. And the more we long inside, the more it's in focus. And more it becomes our perspective. It's a matter of perspective. So, with that in mind, if you want to turn your insert over. Beating the cloaking device is our title this morning. Inspired in part by the 1958 film Run Silent, Run Deep, Star Trek screenwriter Paul Snyder imagined cloaking at, in space travel as a submarine submerging. And he began to employ it in the Star Trek episode in 1966 called Balance of Terror. Another Star Trek screenwriter, D.C. Fontana, coined the term cloaking device for the 1968 episode, The Enterprise Incident. Now if you go to Wikipedia, the free online encyclopedia, it gives this definition of a cloaking device. A cloaking device is a theoretical 
or fictional stealth technology that can cause objects such as spaceships or individuals to partially or totally become invisible to parts of the electromagnetic spectrum, that is light and light refraction. You and I see because light is refracted to our eyes off of an object. Beating the cloaking device. Subtitle, wow, can you see that? Well, you're in 2 Corinthians, so let's go to chapter 4, just above chapter 5. <clears throat> living with a fixed vision. Last week, our, our thought was living as a Christian in today's culture. We live as an alien. We live here, though we really don't sink roots. This is not our home. Today, we're talking about living with a fixed vision. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, starting with verse 16, right at the very end of it. This is a great passage. If you don't mind marking in your Bibles, I'd encourage you to highlight this so it draws your attention as you're leafing through your Bible. It draws you to it and you read it one more time. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Very important for it. Though outwardly we are wasting away. You know what that means? What does that mean? Somebody help me. What does it mean outwardly we are wasting away? Oh, no. Sorry? We're aging. We're proving to ourselves that this life is temporary. Biological proof that this life is temporary. It's not eternal. We don't have an enduring city here, as the writer of Hebrews said. Okay. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Now, talk to me about that. Is that happening? Are we, are we being renewed? Let's be honest. Okay. Well, we, we should be. We can be. Sometimes I waste a day or a portion of a day by letting something else distract me from the fact that I have inside me the very spirit and life of God, which is eternal. The eternal living in the mortal. That's exactly what the incarnation is about. When Jesus Christ was born, born of a virgin, born through the, the, the presence of the Holy Spirit, the eternal, vested, wrapped in earthliness. For our light, verse 17. Our light in momentary trouble. I've experienced some things that haven't seemed like they're light. And some of them have gone on. Can anybody say amen to that? Amen. Sure. amen. So Paul isn't being weird here. He's not saying, hey, don't worry. You know, you, you got cancer. It's light and momentary. You know, it, he's not making fun of things. He's in a comparison mode. He's in a comparison mode. He's thinking comparatively. He said, the trials, the groans, the burdens that we carry here in light of what's ahead are momentary and they are light. The weight is with God's glory. In fact, the word glory means weightiness. 
you know, I'll date myself, really. There's all kinds of new words. They're not really new, but they have new meaning, you know. And at one time, way, way back, if something was really awesome, it was heavy, man. Oh, that's heavy. Yeah, we don't use that anymore. I told you I'd date myself. Of course, I don't need my vocabulary to date myself. Just, <laughs> look at the outward. That's wasting away every day. Paul is saying, it's, it's really important that we, we, we do this with this scripture because it helps us, it helps it plug in, helps it find a shelf to rest on. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal weight of glory. See, here's the comparison that far outweighs them all. That's a great perspective to embrace. Young people, it's a great perspective to embrace. I wish I could say to you that life is great and nobody will ever dish, diss you and nobody will ever do this or that. But the truth is, you already know. I mean, you've lived long enough to know. So you've got to have something. You've got to have something that makes sense to measure against the bad things that can happen. We have to have it. We have to have it. Paul knows that. So he's trying to help his Corinthian readers understand this. Verse 18. So, in light of the fact, in light of the fact that in comparison with the eternal glory and being with Christ, what we face now, although it's painful and struggling and we groan, it's light and momentary. To make that connection, we have to have the next verse. So, we fix our eyes not on what is seen or what we experienced in this life that disappoints us. For that is temporary. But we fix our eyes on what is unseen. Because that is eternal. Now, to prove to you that there's a cloaking device, uh, we, we have to hit this, so we're going to go uh, uh, back into the Old Testament, the Second Kings. So if you open to the middle of your Bible, you'll find Psalms and Proverbs. If you keep going to the left, <clears throat> uh, you're going to find uh, a lot of things, but there's First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles, kind of the historical books of Israel as a nation. So we want to go to 2 Kings and chapter 6. And I, I, if you have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn there just so that you're familiar with where it is. Um, Elisha is the prophet right now. Elisha followed Elijah. Elisha received a double portion of the power and authority and mantle that was on Elijah. Elijah mentored Elisha. Elisha is living here, and he does a lot of miracles. But the portion that I want you to see is verse 8 through eight through 23. I won't take the time to read the whole thing, but I'm going to tell you the story. I wanted you to turn there so you know, because it's a perfect example of the cloaking device. Okay? So it's the, it's, it's the Syrians that are attacking uh, Israel. And so... Uh, 
God tells Elisha the plans that the Syrian general has established militarily. And so Elisha tells them to the king, and he prevents the attack, or he avoids the attack. And so finally, the king of Syria hears this and, and says, okay, let's put a stop to this. I'm going to send a very strong force of military to the city of Dotham, because that's where Elisha is. Now, this is quite comical to me, because Elisha has heard all of the plans this general has made in secret about attacking Israel. So now the general is making plans in secret to go and capture Elisha. It's like, hello? Are you there? So what happens is this army comes to Dothan, surrounds it. It's a large army. It says it's a large force. So Elisha has a servant. The servant wakes in the morning. We're going to pick it up at verse 15. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. They're all around. Wow. So he gets, uh, he gets a little concerned. Oh, my Lord, he's, he's speaking to Elisha. Well, what shall we do, the servant asked. Elisha says, uh, don't worry, I'm going to turn off the cloaking device. I'm going to help you see what I say. He says, those who are with us are far more than those who are with them. Verse 17. And Elisha prayed. Now this is important. Beyond the story that proves that there are eternal things that we cannot see at times. There are cloaking devices that hide things from us. The important thing is, how do I see those things? Elisha prayed. He said, Lord, open his eyes. Emily, that's why I like the, that line in that song. Open my eyes that I may see the unseen. Lord, open his eyes so he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes. And he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elijah. He couldn't see it. Elisha. He couldn't see it. And then all of a sudden, Now, there's other passages. I'm just going to give them to you. I'm not going to expound upon them. You can write them down because they're not in the notes that you have. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 and 10. Eye is not seen, ear is not heard, nor is the mind of man conceived of the things that God has planned for those that love him, but he has revealed or will reveal it by his spirit. Very clear. That God has plans and purposes and things he wants to do. But they're cloaked. They're hidden from our eyes. They're even hidden from our mind. But he will reveal them in a spiritual sense to us. First John. Love First John. Love the writing of the apostle when he's old. First John chapter 3 verse 2. Now we are children of God. But what we will be has not been known to us yet. But this is what we know. When we see him face to face, we will become like him. Okay, we are, in a sense, children of God. Now, we have a destiny. We can't fully see it. It hasn't fully been revealed, but it will be revealed. Did you see the pattern? Yes. The concept of things that are being hidden from our eyes, being cloaked from our vision. Again, I will go quickly 
through most of the rest of these scriptures. In my notes, it's I have the title, The Cloaking Device at Work. Now, so far I've been talking about things in the spiritual uh, that are hidden from our eyes, and God wants us to see them. Now, there's another force in the world who does not want us to see the eternal, who desperately wants us to focus our vision on the temporal or temporary, because that will only discourage us in time. The temporary will only discourage us. Be up for time, then we're back down, up, down. But the eternal, if we can learn, if I can learn to focus, to fix my vision, to live with a fixed vision, it gives me a bridge to go over this up and down. Right? You with me? Okay. So, 2 Corinthians 4, 4, the same chapter that we were in, says that there's a God of this age who blinds the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see salvation. So that's why preaching is necessary. That's why teaching the word is necessary. But there's a blinding of eyes that hinders believing. There's a cloaking that hinders believing. Now God's not doing that. The enemy's doing that. But he can do that upon us, can he? This one I need to turn to and read it. It's again out of 1 John. Great, uh, great epistle. Chapter 2 and verse 16. I'll read 15 together. I touched on this at the close of last Sunday's message. Love not the world. Do not love 